breathe in, breathe out. You keep me alive. You are the fire <laughs> burning inside. Inside of me. <laughs> We're back. We're back. Hello, everyone. My name is Latara. And I am Laura. And this is Passions, Passions Podcast. Podcast. Today... We're talking about episodes 71, 71 and 72. Mm-hmm. This is episode 40 of the podcast. I know. Look at that. Crazy. Wow. Crazy stuff. Who to thunk? Not me. <laughs> Not me. Look Not at me. us. Look at us. <laughs> uh, yeah, this episode was a lot. There's a lot that happened. Jam packed. Super packed. <laughs> it's a super pack. <laughs> I was thinking, you've been jammed. <laughs> you just but got, you just got, got jammed. jammed. From Parks and Rec. All right, so let's start talking about episode 71. Sure. Starts at Tabitha's house, mm-hmm. where Tabitha is dressed as a nun. Let us not forget. Sister Mary Tabitha. Sister Mary Merciless <laughs> is what she's calling herself <laughs> these days. So weird, but I love it. So she's uh, dressed as a fucking nun, and she calls the hospital to find out uh, how Charity is doing, right? And she goes, Oh, I see all of her visitors have left for the evening. Wonderful. Thank you. So, you know, she now knows Charity's alone. alone. Yes. All alone. <laughs> and vulnerable. Poor Charity. Yeah. It's a good plan. And I have to say, of all of her disguises, this is by far Tabitha's best. And it's the least involved. Is this her best? Yeah. No. The, a, the, a nun walking through the through a hospital is not going to go, it's going to go unnoticed. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? Because to me, the best costume was the fortune teller costume. It was excellent. Ah, uh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was excellent. Like, There's prosthesis. prosthesis. Yeah. yeah. It was excellent. But yeah, so he she gets off the phone with the hospital and Timmy questions again why they have to kill Charity. He goes... If she doesn't remember anything, then what? how is she a threat to us? And Tabitha explains that if she does remember at some point, then she'll figure out who started the fire that killed her mom. We're still on this, but how would she find out? How would she possibly figure out that Tabitha started that fire? How could she po- what, what clues are there? there? I, I can't think of any. I don't know. I just don't know. I can't think of any. It, it, they'll find a way. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. The writers didn't think this one through. And so they'll retroactively fix it somehow. You know, in episode 160, they'll explain something that didn't actually happen. You know, maybe that's what they'll do. Like they'll film like a little flashback sequence or, or flashback or something of something that we didn't actually see happen. Yeah. Like maybe Faith did show her the picture of evil and yeah. then she'll remember it. And even though we did, even though we didn't see it, like we and know it didn't happen. And she's met Tabitha. Uh, she met know. her at that party. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. They expect us not to remember, but we remember because we're watching this so fast. Well, and we talk about it. That's yeah. it. For me, it's like, if I watch it, I'll forget it. But the fact that we're discussing it is helping me remember details. Yeah. So what else happens? Uh, not much. Basically, Tabitha tells Timmy her plan, which is I'm going to try to convince Charity that Faith didn't die and that Charity should go out and search for her mother She'll be isolated and alone, and then I'll be able to pounce, and we'll 
throw her in the grave that you're going to dig. By the way, here's a shovel, Timmy. Like, basically, <laughs> that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, this is so silly. Tab is like, she'll trust me because I'm dressed like a nun and whatever. So, she gives Timmy the shovel. Timmy's still not super on board. No. He's like, I don't, Timmy doesn't want to kill charity like he doesn't want to murder he doesn't want to be a murderer he doesn't he's just a doll he doesn't want to be an accessory to murder he just wants to be a doll yeah who lives a doll who lives the boy who lives pinocchio yep i mean harry potter is the boy who lives i know that i don't want everyone to think that i don't know about harry potter (laughs) all right so should we go on because that's basically everything that happens at tabitha's house yeah I i think we should uh Leave Timmy digging a, dra- a grave out back, and we should follow Tabitha to the, to the hospital. hospital. Yep. Great. So Tabitha goes over to the hospital, but someone is there already. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who's at the hospital visiting Charity? Father fucking Lonigan. Father f- fucking Lonigan with well, his blind ass. I'm so annoyed at him. <laughs> he, walks in, he walks into Charity's room, and he says, <laughs> he says a prayer. Father above, I implore you, please don't let evil take this innocent child. Everything he says is like Shakespeare, it's Shakespearean in delivery. Yeah. You know, it's great. It's yeah. ridiculous, but it's great. Yeah, and he says he hopes he can help her. Yeah. And hopefully he can, but I know he can't. <laughs> you know? I, I, I just, like, is Father Lonigan just Tabitha's mortal enemy like is that the purpose like we have a human evil and a human good kind of just a foil is that what we're doing i think in this instance father lonigan's whole purpose is he's the only person in this town at this point that believes that the evil is real Mm. that knows kind of about what happened with faith Mm -hmm. and he knew that faith and charity were in trouble like he knows that there's something special about them but nobody else knows that grace doesn't even really know it Mm -hmm. because she never got to have that conversation with faith right so i think father lonigan has to be in the mix because he's the only one who has the other piece of the puzzle at least a part of the piece of the puzzle yeah you know and he has that link to the angel statue that grace has yeah so yeah okay all right, that makes so they sense. so they throw him in here and there. So here he is. So here he is, peppered into the story. <laughs> yeah. So she sees him and she's like, ah, "Fuck." Yeah, because like, Tabitha's come to the hospital. What What am I What am I gonna do here to get him <laughs> out of this room? So she goes to a payphone. Such so much so much payphone in this show. It's amazing. So were they much. that prevalent in oh, 1999? Yeah. Payphones were very prevalent. Yeah. Yeah. I guess because cell phones were just becoming a thing. Yeah, not everybody had one. Not even people, not even, not even everyone had like pagers, you know. Yeah, we had like a family cell phone, but not until like 2005, something like that. 2004, 2005, where my mom had a cell phone. And then if I was going somewhere, she would make me take the cell phone. That way I had a way to call the house phone if something happened or if my sister was going out or something. I always had a cell phone. My dad, when I started middle school, gave me a cell phone because he like worked in like IT in a hardware kind of situation where he always had access to a lot of like cell phones and um, different kinds of old computers and old things like that. So he'd like bring stuff home. And so he gave me a cell phone. I had one of those, not even the 
Nokia's that everybody had, like the one before that. Oh damn! Look at <laughs> that you. Was like real, real big. <laughs> <laughs> you had like the Atari of cell it was phones. Real big with the green buttons. <laughs> and so I had that phone just in case I needed to like call somebody, but you know for emergencies. Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought I was so cool, like because nobody had a cell phone. It was just like me and like three other girls at my school. Wow. Who had a cell phone in middle school, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. And was... but I always, I always had a cell phone. I went through a bunch of phones because you don't give a child a cell phone. I lost a bunch of cell phones. Oh no, I did lose one cell phone. I'm pretty sure it got thrown away after like a college party. Like it ended up in the trash. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, lost it hard. But oh. every other phone, I I held on to and I always have my phones for a long time like I'll always be the last person who kind of up, upgrades to the new phone up until 2012 when I got my first iPhone I went through I think like 30 cell phones oh my from night from 1999 to, to 2012 I had like 30 different cell phones. I've had like four and that's my not dad a, would, that's not a joke I've had four cell phones and I lost one of them. My dad would just give me a new one every time I lost one. Wow. He would just give me another cell phone. Are you kidding? My parents would whoop my ass. But he ass. didn't have to buy it. You know, he just had them. And so just give me another SIM card and put it in the phone. Wow. Yeah. For years. Did that for years. He really enabled you. Yeah. <laughs> really- you, well, you know, I had really bad ADHD and mm. it took a long time to like get it under control. Mm. And that was, I, I also went through like 75 umbrellas oh i can't i can never hang on to an umbrella i lost so many umbrellas i lost so many jackets i've lost so many purses like Mm. for for years i just stopped carrying purses because Mm -hmm. i would just leave them places Mm -hmm. and so um i started just putting a wallet on my keys i still do that yeah put a wallet on my keys and that way i can't go anywhere without my keys yeah you know so well, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> We're a little off the rails. Perfectly on topic. <laughs> okay. So back to passions. Father Lonigan. Oh, yeah. he. Re- <laughs> All right. So Tabitha. I remember what we're doing. So Tabitha picks up a payphone and makes a call to St. Margaret Mary's. Mm-hmm. That's the church that Father Lonigan no, works at, right? No, she makes a call to the hospital Pretending posing. to be someone from St. Mary's. St. Margaret Mary's. Okay. So Tabitha picks up the call, pretends to be someone from the church, and says, you need to contact Father Lonigan. He's at the hospital right now, but someone in his flock is terribly ill. Yeah. And it's an emergency. He needs to get back to the the church. He needs to get back to the church. Immediately. Yeah. So then she waits for a nurse to come and get him. She goes and hides in a broom closet. Yeah. And she's going like, one one thousand. What was she saying? She said something. She was like, like one Mordecai. She said two like Mordecai. she said like uh, mortician or more something about death. More. I don't know. Moratorium or it was something. something. I weird. was yeah. I can't. I don't remember. Yeah. Instead of one one thousand, two one thousand. Anyway, mm-hmm. she's counting. The nurse comes right on cue. Tells Father Lon again he needs to leave, and so <laughs> as he's walking away, he like turns back. As if he senses Tabitha. I loved it. Like he senses the evil there. But there was this great uh, frame where Tabitha's hiding in the broom closet. There's like a, a mop upright against the wall. And then beautifully like framed in the uh, in the door is like Father Lonigan at a distance like 
and he can't see, but he's in that direction. Like if he could, yeah. it was, it was great. His I, sense is yeah. in that direction. Oh, it was good. It yeah. was really good. I liked that. I liked the way they filmed it. So then what happens? Uh, well, the nurse is like, Father Lonigan, <laughs> it's an emergency. You have to go. She literally like hustles him out of there. And so, of course, Tabitha's like, oh, this is wonderful. So she enters the hospital room. She tries to wake up Charity. She ends up doing the thing where she pinches Charity's nose. Yeah, she puts, she pinches Charity's nose so that Charity, like, is startled. startled awake. Yeah. But anytime I've ever done that to somebody, it just makes them open their open mouth. Open mouth, yeah. You know, it doesn't I used to do it to my ex all the time. <laughs> it's just all the time where he would just be laying there and he would, like, maybe be snoring or something. Or, or I just want to fuck with him. So I was just like... Grab his nose and hold it. Are you serious? And, yeah, I used to do it all the time. And then he would just he would just go open his mouth. <laughs> I never woke him up. But Charity is starting. So you were away. fucking with him and he had no idea. No. <laughs> no. Oh. He used to do just stuff to me like that too while yeah. I was asleep. Oh. We were not good for each other. Well, that's why you're not together anymore. <laughs> Why you're no longer together. Yeah. All right. Moving on. If anyone knows a great man. Please send him my way. Oh, my God. And by a great man, I mean. Trevor Noah. Yep. Still, still waiting. Still waiting. Still waiting. All right. So Charity is startled awake, and she sees the nun. Sister, Sister Mary Merciless. <laughs> I've come to take care of you, my child. Yeah. I mean, how on the nose is that? Ugh. She's going to take care of you, if you know what I mean. So Tabitha hands Charity uh, a newspaper and basically suggests that her mother was lost in the fire, but they never found a body. So she, there is potential for her to be alive. And she gives her directions to Castleton. She's like, oh, I love Castleton. So easy to get to. It's just one town over, straight down 28, five miles, and you're there. Yeah, and you're there. I should really <laughs> visit more often. And it was funny to me when she gave her the newspaper, how she was like, I thought you'd be interested in the fire that killed your mother kind of thing, like that you think killed your mom. Yeah. Like, I thought you'd be interested to read this article about the fire that has ruined your life. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so funny to me. Yeah. I mean, it was in no way subtle. No. But that's part of what makes Tabitha so great. And Charity's so irritating because it's like, how can you not see through this or at least like how does it not make the hair on the back of your neck stand up a little bit yeah like where's your instinct well nothing well and like you said the plan works just like Kay's dumbass plan worked this <laughs> dumbass plan worked this one makes a little bit more sense than Kay's like okay yeah like this one has a little bit more potential for me to give it a little bit of a pass. Yeah. That cable shit was such garbage. It, it's, it is garbage, but I still think it's funny. But that this, tape. But this does make more sense because Tabitha is leveraging Charity's love for her mother and also concern for her welfare. Mm-hmm. Because she's like, my mother could be out there wandering. She's alone. She could be cold. She could be injured. You know, and and no one's looking for her anymore. There's no search. Yeah. So I have I have to go look for her. So Charity gets her ass up out of bed and puts on a coat. Where'd the coat come from? The closet. Whose coat is it? I don't know. Because when she came in, she was not in a coat. No, she was not. It was she a was big, in a nightgown. It was a big cloak. Cloak. It, well, it was a coat that looked like a cloak. It looked like the Grim Reapers thing. Yeah, it looked like a big trench coat. It was huge. Yeah, so maybe it was 
Miguel's. Or Maybe something. it was that big male nurse or orderly or whoever he was. Who left Remember their that, coat? That and giant cha- guy. He was like eight feet tall. Who left their coat in Charity's closet? That's what I really want to know. Let's maybe Tabitha planted it there. What? So that Charity would have a maybe, coat. Maybe, maybe she did. <laughs> it looked like a Tabitha coat. That's so... <laughs> she makes sure she's nice and warm yeah. to go out to be murdered. <laughs> All right, so Charity's on her way out, and Tabitha's like, it worked. That was, it was all right. That was the best one you've done. It was a good tab, though. Yeah. Kind of. It was all right. So I guess Tabitha's going to go and try to kill Charity. That wasn't a sentence. I, I missed a lot of it words. kind of like a sentence. <laughs> I guess Tabitha is going to attempt to kill Charity again. Yeah. This I, is what, like the fourth attempt? At least. There was like the thing with the sink, the thing with the, the pier. The boards at the pier. The thing with the cab. The, yeah, the cab. And the, the fire. fire. Fifth and attempt. It's gonna be the fifth. Good God. Yeah. Good golly, Miss Molly. Yeah. I don't think it's gonna go well for Tabitha. No. <laughs> Tabitha's terrible at murdering charity. <laughs> she she murdered that one guy. She so set easily. him ablaze. And he he was just an innocent. Yeah. She didn't even want to murder him. It was just fun. She, a whim. <laughs> she <Yeah. laughs> just killed him on a whim. <laughs> oh my God. Oof. Oh, okay, so where should we go to next? Because that's all for them, right? Yeah, that's it. Uh, I assume we'll see them next episode. So how about we go over to the Crane Mansion? Yeah. Let's go to the Crane Mansion because some shit's happening over here. Yeah. (laughs) It is uncomfortable. I don't even know where to begin. I'm so uncomfortable. I'm going to tell you where I think we should begin. And that is with Ethan and Julian talking. Mm. Julian says to Ethan, because uh, he sees Ethan in the his tux, he says, oh, are you going to the ballet tonight? And Ethan's like, yep. And Julian says, well, give Gwen my regards. Give her my best. And Ethan says to Julian, oh, I'm not going to the ballet with Gwen, father. And he goes, who the hell are you going to the ballet with then? <laughs> <laughs> Ethan says, with Pilar's daughter, Teresa. And Julian says, quote, Good gracious, Ethan, why would you take the housekeeper's daughter to the ballet? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but it gets so much worse. It gets so much worse because then Julian's face is like, ah. He has like the little light bulb on him. He's like, oh, I get it, son. I also sowed my wild oats. In the days of my youth. And kind of does like the wink wink at his adult son. And tells him to be careful and use protection. Yeah. Because you don't want any bastard cranes come knocking on the door (laughs) years down the road. Like, what the fuck? Oh my God. And Ethan's face is horrified. As it should be. Yeah. As it should be. Oh, Ethan's face was horrified. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, God. He was gobsmacked. <laughs> I, we have so much to talk. I mean, how do we unpack this? We don't want any bastard cranes to come knocking on the door. Also, use protection while you rape this underage Child. girl. Also, yeah, right? You know. Oh, my God. And he says, just make sure there's no press snapping pictures. Oh, my God. Julian. Julian's pretty nasty. He's pretty nasty. And what did Ethan say? Ethan says... I don't think of Teresa that way. She's a nice girl, and I respect her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad he 
respects her. I'm you, glad he threw that caveat in. I'm glad he threw that in. But let me just say, you can respect someone and still want to fuck them. True. Like, yes. they're not mutually exclusive things. Yeah. But I think at this point in, like, the the world, people still thought that way about women. It's like, well, you can't want to have sex with a woman and still respect her at the same time. And I'm like, well, that's fucked up. Yeah. Ugh. Right? Like, there's, there's there's a whole lot of stuff to get into there. We don't need to, though. Oh, my gosh. So, they have that little conversation. Meanwhile, upstairs, Ivy is dressing Teresa up like a doll. Like as a if bride. She's, she's dressing her like a bride. As if she's her fairy godmother. <laughs> Ivy is basically the fairy godmother. And, like, I know that it's very obvious that they set it up to look like that, of you course. know, because she's going to see Cinderella, right? And she's getting dr- all dressed up in this beautiful gown, and and, and it's a Cinderella even... story because she is the poor girl who's going to marry the prince. Right. I mean, the whole thing is and anecdotal. Ivy, Ivy even like leans down to put shoes on her feet and brings her an insane diamond necklace. Oh my god. And puts it on, around her neck. Diamonds. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Oh my gosh. She is dressing her up. And yeah, she does dress her up in a white gown. Yeah, she looks like a bride. Yeah. Yeah. She's even got like a fucking tiara. She looks gorgeous. She does look great. She's got white gloves. Yeah. I mean, she looks beautiful. She looks very elegant. Very Grace Kelly. Mm-hmm. Well, so Ivy's dressing her up. And then she says something kind of odd. She says, I know why you're going to the ballet with Ethan. I know why you're doing all of this. And then she says, it's because you're a romantic. This didn't track for me. No. Because because she started off by saying, it's because you're a romantic and you want him to be with Gwen. Yeah. What? And I guess. I don't follow. The very, very, very thin line that they drew was that Teresa, for whatever reason, wants Ethan and Gwen to get together, so that's why she's going to the ballet, just to continue to make sure that he doesn't get cold feet about Gwen. It doesn't make any sense. None at all. None. None at all. None at all. That sounds like a pill. Sounds like a pill that you want to take if you want to be a nun. None at all. None at all. None at all. That's what Tabitha took for her costume. For her costume, she took yeah. none at she all. She just took a, a day's worth of none at all. Oh my gosh. No, it makes no sense. It does not. I and think. Teresa in her head, while this is all happening, Ivy's like, make sure he doesn't get cold feet with Gwen. And Teresa says to herself, I'm the one he should propose to. Mm-hmm. And it says something about how if he hasn't put a ring on her finger then he's still then he's available. up for grabs yeah he's she's like as long as she doesn't have a ring on her finger i still have a chance girl Mm-mm. so then um ivy leaves the room to go get that diamond necklace right mm-hmm. and pilar takes this moment <laughs> to like shake Teresa. she's like Teresa, you have to tell mrs crane that you can't go to the ballet tonight just say that you're sick because feel, say you don't feel good, something, but you can't go, right? Also, this finds her voice. She's been in the room the whole time, not saying a word. Also, you're her mother. Also, she was saying all of this very loudly. She was like, mm. she was like, Teresa, please don't go to the ballet because. 
because you are in love with Ethan and they're all going to find out and you are going to be heartbroken. She said it so This is a secret that we have to keep. She said it so loudly. I was like, cool it, Pilar. Right? Like, chill the fuck out. So anyway, no one can ever know. (laughs) So she's saying all this stuff to Teresa, but Teresa refuses. Mm. And I will say, like, to talk about what you said before, which is she's been in the the room the whole time, and why didn't she try to put her foot down? She did try. The truth is she tried, but Ivy steamrolled her. Oh, yeah. Ivy steamrolled her, and it's very hard for somebody in Pilar's position to buck up against their employer in this way, especially in, like, a domestic kind of situation. From what I'm seeing, Ivy just steamrolls anybody and everybody. Any and everybody. She does not care. She only cares about herself. Mm. So... Pilar tells Teresa, but Teresa, I'm sorry. Pilar tells Teresa to like play sick or say she can't go. But Teresa's like, hell no, mama. This is my chance. Look, if if I had been dressed up like a princess. Yeah, I'm going. And had like diamonds and beautiful shoes. And I was going on this non-date that's totally a date to the ballet with my, like the, the man that I've had a crush on for years. Please. By the time you get me ready to go, you expect me to now back out? Hell no. I'm Hell going. No. My ass is going to the ballet. I'm going to the Bolshoi. I'm going <laughs> to, to the Harmony Opera Hall. I, I, I just am so <sighs> proud of Teresa. I'm like, I just look at where she, look at how far she's come. Look at where she yeah. is. Yeah. She's playing the game the right way. Let's be honest. She's playing it well. She is. And she's not even being really deceptive. Not like she's not being nasty. Not. She's not really all the only thing she is doing is not saying she's in love with Ethan, which is what we all do when we have a crush. You like don't say it. Just love it. Like she's not being deceptive when she worked in his house for three months oh, in a disguise. I did forget about that whole shit. <laughs> in a full on disguise, Latara. She's not being deceptive at all. You, you got me there. Okay, but like she had a good reason. Oh no, you're. <laughs> we have to move on. We are gonna move okay. on. Okay, because um, then Ivy comes back with the diamonds, right? Mm-hmm. Puts them on Teresa, and then Pilar has the exact same exchange with Ivy that she just <laughs> had with Teresa. She, she says to Ivy, "You've got to call off this dinner." <laughs> like this is only gonna cause pain to the the entire family think of your children she mm-hmm. says to ivy and then ivy says this was one of my favorite things so pilar tries to convince ivy not to have the dinner and ivy says it's been a long time since i played with fire and i miss it and pilar mm-hmm. says you must have forgotten what it's like to get burned Ooh, good writing i loved it yeah i loved it because it honestly it shows what I what that Ivy really like is fed up. She also says like I'm tired of being half a woman. Mm. She says that, which I'm not sure exactly what she means by that. I I don't know. Maybe her reassignment surgery isn't complete yet. <laughs> I don't I, know. I I truly don't know what that means. I I don't I don't know. She says that's a Pilar. She's been half a woman for too long. What I guess without Sam without. Like um, well, and, oh, she a happy she, relationship? Well, she says she's a different person than she used to be, and she wants yeah. to be her, the, 
the old her. So it's not really half a woman. It's just a different person. But like, that's what she's like. She's forgetting the person that she is, and she's become this horrible crane. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, they go downstairs to meet Ethan and Julian, mm. right? And then Julian's super gross to Teresa. Oh my god! Boo. He like grabs her hand Boo. and kisses it. Boo. Tells her that she looks so beautiful, and he's just kind of gross. Why is every man on this show a pedophile? He's just he's just a little slimy and they like see this the enchanting couple off right Mm -hmm. so these two are headed off and so Teresa and Ethan get in their elegant limo (laughs) and head to the ballet oh boy and head to the ballet so let's hang out at the crane mansion and then go back into find out what happens in the limo yeah so what happens after the the, the enchanting couple leaves. That's what they kept calling them. The enchanting An enchanting couple. couple. They are rather enchanting. Uh, so Ivy and Julian immediately kind of drop their smiles <laughs> and uh, get get at it. You know, they're always fighting. They continue to do that. So Ivy reminds Julian, by the way, honey, that dinner is tonight. Uh, and Julian is very suspicious and asks her again, what's going on? Why are we having a dinner with these people who are beneath us? They're they're not worth our time. And Ivy's like, uh, Dr. Russell is a doctor, and Sam is the chief of police. They're hardly blue-collar people. And that's a good point, because, like, Julian thinks that he is above the chief of police and a fucking medical doctor? What class of people do you think you belong in that you're too good for a doctor? Yeah. I don't I know. I really don't. I don't know. Like, who, What? Yeah, and like she seems to be basically the only doctor in this town. Yeah, she's getting a lot of work. Yeah, she's highly respected. I don't know. It's so weird. And so uh, Ivy turns to her husband and says, "I'm curious, Julian. What are you afraid of?" And he turns to her and says, "Mingle with the common folk, my sweet, but don't expect me to join you." Mm -hmm. So terse. Yep. Terse. Yep. These two. And then he leaves. And Pilar comes in ag- again. again again, and pleads with Ivy, pleads with him and says, look, Mr. Crane's not on board. Like, please just call it all off. And she says, if you have Sam and Mr. Crane in the same room together, you're just courting disaster. Mm. And Ivy says, Julian will never notice what's going on with her and Sam because he's so self-centered and he never thinks about anybody but himself. But Julian has already caught on. Yeah. The other thing I picked up on in this conversation was that Pilar specifically is worried about Ethan. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I mean, I think I know what's, what's going on. Well, she <laughs> says, she says, think of your children, especially, especially Ethan. Ethan. Yeah. Like, we can just go ahead and say you can say it if you that want to. Ethan is definitely Sam's son, right? I mean, we can like that's where this is going. I don't know. Well, Tara is not going to tell me, but that's where this is going. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. nothing. You, mm-hmm. you can never get it out of me, copper. Okay. <laughs> I ain't squealing. All right, I'm not trying. All right. Um, I, I ain't squealing. I ain't squealing. So after Pilar and Ivy have their conversation, Ivy's like, well, I have to go get ready for this dinner that is definitely going to happen. It's yep. going on as planned. She goes up to her room and she like squirrels out some perfume. Mm-hmm. Is there some special Sam perfume? 
Yeah, so the thing about this perfume is I don't know what the significance of it is, but it's either it's either a scent that Sam really liked on her or mm-hmm. maybe it's something that he gave her. Does perfume last 20 years? I think so. I mean, I had some perfume that my granny had for years, and then when she passed away, I I had it. And mm. it's, I mean, I used it for years because it was nice. Hmm. I didn't know it would last like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's supposed to, but I still used it. Yeah. Man, what if it's special perfume from Sam and he... Well, obviously it is because he's going to recognize the scent on her. That's why she's wearing it. Yeah, it's a nice bottle. And that's the thing. I wonder if it it, it either is something he gave her or it's something that she he liked on her. Yeah. And then she stopped wearing it when she, they broke oh, up. Oh, yeah. And so she broke it out again. And he's like, oh. he, hopefully his olfactory memory will... That's supposed to be the strongest sense. It definitely... For, for memory, it's supposed to be the sense of smell. Girl, every time... I smell all kinds of things in it really who especially at school when i smell like the smell of like fresh school supplies the kids when they have like their mm-hmm. colored pencils and crayon boxes oh i just feel like i'm back at hillcrest elementary mm-hmm. you know i can like see myself sitting at my desk in class coloring away yeah the smell yeah yeah I just remember that from like acting classes where they'd always, the professor would always be like, oh yeah, like when you're creating a character, you can do these, 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 and these, and these, and blah, blah, blah. And like the sense, the sense of smell was always supposed to be super helpful and like transporting you. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's lots of things where I smell it and I'm like, "Hmm, that, that brings up a memory. Mm -hmm. Dial soap, the gold dial soap. I'm going to tell y'all this. It always, the smell of it always makes me cry because my granny, that's the soap she always bought. Mm. And like, I can't, I bought it one time and it like was nice to smell it, but then it was like, I was sad, Aww. you know? And then I had to use all of it. Oh, you're, you're getting <laughs> sad just telling me. <laughs> I know, me. I'm tearing up thinking about it. But yeah, like every time I think, like I smell that and I, that's her. Anyway, moving Aww, on. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Okay. So, want to talk about your favorite girl and her limo? Yes. Okay. Let's please go to the elegant limo. The elegant couple. The the, the enchanting, enchanting couple. couple. So, they take a limo to the ballet and on their way, Teresa has a fantasy <laughs> about the limo drivers. Like she has a fantasy where she's sitting in the back in like a gray pantsuit just looking real, you know, business bitchy and the limo driver. You always say business bitch, and I always am like look at you like professional. <laughs> I like business bitch. Business bitch. <laughs> I like business bitch. <sighs> anyway, the limo driver like says, I, "I I hope this isn't too forward, Mrs. Crane, but myself and the rest of the staff are all so glad that Mr. Crane chose to marry you instead of Gwen." That's her fancy. And then she snaps out of it. And she's sitting there. And they see Whitney. She sees Whitney out of the window. Mm -hmm. So she makes the limo driver stop. She's like, hey, Whitney, look at me. Can you imagine? (laughs) Look, if I was in a limo with, I don't know, anyone (laughs) dressed like Teresa was and, like, had the limo pull over, the window rolls down, and it's me and, like, I don't know, who's a famous man? Johnny Depp. And Johnny, oh God, no. <laughs> What's wrong with Johnny Depp? He abused his ex-wife. I thought she abused 
huge lawsuit. He had to like pay her out because he like beat the shit out of her. Are you serious? Amber Heard was that her name? Oh, yeah, the the young blonde actress. I never, I like, I didn't read that much into about any of it. I knew they like got divorced or whatever. But the one thing I did see, I thought maybe it was just a counter thing to Mm. anything she brought up. But the one thing I saw was that um, there was allegations that she had like cut him. Oh shit! Yeah. Well, so I don't know. Oh, okay. I, they probably were. They were probably toxic together. Yeah, probably. Honestly. Yeah. But. Uh, but anyway. So not Johnny Depp. So not like, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Great. He seems like a nice fellow. Yeah. So I pull up. I roll down a wheel. A limbo. A limbo. <laughs> roll up out of limbo. <laughs> roll up out of limbo in a limo with Jake Gyllenhaal. Dressed in a beautiful gown. Dressed in a beautiful gown. Dripping in diamonds. I mean, come on. What would your reaction be? And you pull up to me on the street, and I look in, I'm like, and I say what Whitney said, which is, what are you doing in here wearing this? (laughs) (laughs) You know? What are you doing in here wearing this? It would be very confusing for me. Wouldn't it? If I saw you... We're just driving down Nostrand in a limo, of all things. With Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> You'd be like, where's Jazz? I, I know. And that wouldn't even be my first thought. My first thought would just be like, what is happening? No, you're, you're, first of all, I'd be like, oh, she must have had some weird gig. <laughs> like, I, she must I, have been singing for important people. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. And then I'd be like, Ugh, is the apartment clean? Are y'all coming up? <laughs> Anyway, oh Whitney, uh, Teresa asks Ethan if they can give Whitney a ride, to which he responds, sure. So Whitney hops on in. And then Ethan takes a work call and moves to the other end of the limo. Yeah, he tells Teresa at the beginning, he's like, do you mind if I go over some stuff for this meeting tomorrow? I just need to make a phone call and look through a few papers, but it'll be quick. Yeah. So that's what he's doing. And then Whitney and Teresa have a conversation that I didn't listen to. Uh, it was more of the same. Whitney tells Teresa to cool it. Teresa says, I don't need to. Everything's going exactly the way I want it to. (laughs) And that's it. And then they drop off Whitney and Whitney's like, please think about what I said. Teresa's like, I won't. Okay, bye. And then that's it. That's it. Then they go to the ballet. So then Ethan and Teresa arrive at the ballet. So now we go to the Russell home where we finish this episode, I believe. So... Actually, before we go to the Russell home, let's talk about where Whitney was before she got picked up in that limo. Yes. She got picked up off the street like a pretty woman. (laughs) Like like, uh, like like a pretty woman she is. Like a pretty woman. Yeah, so Whitney has just come from an encounter with Chad. Because she ran into him outside of the the book cafe. cafe? Remember, she followed him out of the book cafe and told him, wait a minute, you got to pay for my pants. And he was like, what pants? And she was like, the ones you ruined when you knocked me down last night. And then they have a whole argument. She says, I'll call the police on you if you leave. And then he's like, oh, really? That's what you're going to do? And then she doesn't. And then he says, I got somewhere to be. And yeah. he leaves. That's their whole encounter. She says to him, I don't want you anywhere near me or my anyone, my family. Yep. And Or anybody I'm related to. And he's like, no problem. Goodbye. Yeah, he's like, no problem. I wouldn't want to be any, around anyone that's related to you. And he proceeds to go to her home. <laughs> <laughs> Unbeknownst to him. <laughs> yeah. So let's go over to the Russell home. Sure. So... Simone is in her home looking up romantic recipes because she wants to prepare some 
uh, some food that will get the boys in the mood. <laughs> and they've already used their number one horny food. What's it called? Their number one turn on turn food. on food. I couldn't remember the word. The number one turn on food of strawberries and chocolate. Oh so she's she's freaking out because she's like, what the fuck? am I going to cook for these boys? And Kay is like, you know what? Pasta. Pasta is easy. Everyone likes it. Plus, it'll give you some good energy. <laughs> yeah. So Simone's going to cook, I guess. Kay and Miguel show up. And then Eve comes back unexpectedly. Mm. Right? And Simone's like, Mom, what are you doing here? I thought you were going to dinner at the Cranes. And Eve's like, I am going. I'm going to meet... Everyone over at the Bennetts, but I needed to get my evening purse or something. Yeah, she left her a little clutch yeah, at she, the house. She left her, her nice little clutch at the house, so she came back to get it. And so then the girls are expecting Chad to be there any minute. Mm-hmm. So Simone says, oh, Mom, can you show me what pots I need to use to make dinner and help yeah. me out? So she brings her into the, the kitchen just in case Ch- Chad shows up. And so they're just trying to keep her from Chad. Yeah, but Simone could not be more suspicious. Like, she really is not selling this at all. Kay should have done it. Kay should have done it. Kay should have done it. Kay kind of steps in to help because when Chad does arrive at the house, she, like, ushers him into another room. And is like, oh, let's go look at some of those photo albums that Simone was talking about. And she kind of gets him out of the way so that when Eve comes into the living room, she won't see Chad. But Simone just can't sell it. It's like, uh, mom, can you show me which uh, pots I should use for the pasta? Yeah. It's like, oh, God, Simone, you can't even keep your voice level. <laughs> like, yeah. Take a breath, girl. It's going to be fine. It's crazy. But Eve finally is about to leave. And before she leaves, she apologizes to Simone. She says, I'm sorry for being so hard on you. I know you would never be interested in a boy like that. A boy like that could kill your brother. <laughs> Forget, Forget that, that boy and find another one of your own kind. Stick to your own kind. Manita, no. I said Manita. 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 Manita, no. Manita, no. You should know better. <laughs> that are bad. That was so bad. Of an exhibition. All of that was terrible. Anyway, a boy like that. A boy like that. Okay. And it's like, what boy? A boy like what? I want to talk about this. Please. Because I have been doing some thinking. The way that Eve talked to Julian, and we know that she's hiding something from TC, mm-hmm. and we know that TC and Julian have issues. Did Eve and Julian have an affair? And was there a, a child? And is that child Chad? And that's why she's trying to keep her kids away from him? I don't know, Laura. Yes, you do. I don't know. Uh, I just want to know what's only going know, on. I like, so a little bit here and there. But if that's the case, then Chad and Whitney can't get together. I don't know. Oh my god. I don't What I'm is like, the truth? We what is the truth? We will find out eventually what the truth is. Cuz she's so insistent that Simone stays away from him. Mm-hmm. And she was so cold to Julian. They def- they have a they have some kind of past. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it's not just between him and TC. It seems like it's between her and Julian, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if there's like two love children running around. Like Ethan is is Sam's son, and then Chad is Julian's son, the actual crane. Aww. What is happening? All I'm gonna say is there's 
You, because then you, Julian, I, Julian today was talking, oh, we don't want, you should use protection so there's no bastard cranes come knocking on our door. I figured it out. You, I'm close. If I don't have right it, track. then I'm on the right track. You're definitely oh, on the boy. right track. I, oh, again, I ain't squealing, I ain't Papa. squealing. <laughs> I just like, I can't wait to see where this goes. It, it does get like excellent. It can't happen fast enough, honestly. Gets, I'm so ready. It gets so good, but it also gets so crazy. Yeah, so like, you can you can only guess a little bit of this because yeah. there's so much of it that's like what? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. We're on the right track. All so, right. Okay. All right. Finally, Eve leaves the house without seeing Chad. Right. And the girls succeed in getting their parents out for the evening. Yep. And anything. Important? Just, well, we missed a whole lot because the girls go back in the kitchen to, like, work on the pasta and kind of get the the food together. and They aren't good at it. But Chad is like, hey, you mind if I put on some music? Because he and Miguel are hanging out in the living (gasps) room. And he puts on Miguel and Charity's love song. Cross my heart, hope to die. I will never tell you lies. And so I didn't listen to a thing that happened. It was playing I, so loudly. It was loud, and I just couldn't focus on anything else. And so there was a conversation that Miguel and Chad had. No idea what it Miguel was Miguel and Chad had a conversation. I don't. I didn't really take notes on it because, like you, I was dancing to the music yeah. instead of, like, I wrote listening. I wrote, I can't focus on what the boys are talking about. I think Chad tells Miguel about Whitney. That's my only note. So what happens is Chad puts that song on and it makes Miguel kind of sad. And Chad's like, oh, do you not like this song? And Miguel's like, well, it's kind of kind of my song with that girl I was telling you about. Mm. So they have that whole conversation. And he talks about how much he loves Charity. And Miguel talks to Chad and says, have you ever felt like that? And Chad's like, sorry, no, I, I've, I've dated some girls, but I've never felt like that strongly about a girl before. And then Whitney comes in. Mm-hmm. After my, oh, Miguel gets up to go help the girls in the kitchen because he's going to end up cooking this dinner for them. He's going to end up cooking dinner because he's a sweet, sweet himbo. Yeah. And then, so Chad's sitting there alone on the couch and Whitney comes in and finds Chad sitting on her couch. She's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And that's it, right? That's it. That's it. So that's the whole episode. Mm-hmm. That was a lot. That was a lot. That's all right, though. So we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back from the break. I don't know. I'm just, like, so excited to talk about this episode. Episode 72 was very good. Oh, my gosh. V good. V good. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. Would recommend. I was, like, on the edge of my seat. There were multiple times where I just, like, was squealing but there was no sound coming out of my mouth i was just like ah, i was doing ah. the charity where i'm sitting here just tossing and turning <laughs> with excitement yeah. <laughs> yeah so let's get right into it can we please absolutely okay you want to start uh, yes go for it let's start at oh i don't know where should we start um well i i think we should start at the hospital because okay, that's where the episode it. starts. So the op- the episode opens at the hospital where Charity has decided to put on a coat and go find her 
not dead mother, right? She's been convinced by a nun that her mother is still alive. So she finds a coat in the closet, says, this is going to have to work, puts it on. Tabitha, meanwhile, is like standing outside the room lurking to see what Charity decides to do. And Charity has decided to leave the hospital, even though she can barely walk. Yeah, I want to talk about this a little bit. So Charity has been in a coma, if not two separate comas. I don't really know what's going on. But Castleton is far enough away that when she and her mom went to the Harmony Carnival, they took a bus. Mm -hmm. Every time she's been to Harmony, she took a bus. And now she's going to walk in her current state to Castleton at night. You got it. Okay. All right. As long as we all know what the the facts are, those are the facts. That's not going to work. Those are the facts. That ain't going to work. She's on her way to Castleton. Mm. We next see Charity on Highway 28. Yeah. (laughs) She's like staring at the Highway 28 sign. And she walks a little further. We see three miles to Castleton. How far away has she walked? And she's walked so far. Because how far did Tabitha say Castleton is? I don't remember. It's at least 20 I think, miles. I think she said a few miles down the road. So more than three. Yeah, it's it's pro- it's got to be at least 20 miles. What she, do you think? I to the know. next town over? I don't know. I don't know either. But so All she, I know is they took a bus. She and even walking so three miles. But even walking the three miles that we know she has to walk, and that's just from one sign. Like, that's a long walk. Th- three miles would take you about... An hour. About an hour walking normally. Yeah, and like she's injured. are not sick and sickly and dying. And she can barely walk. She barely made made it out of her um, hospital room without, like, yeah. leaning over on a cart. Yeah, I saw like, that. She couldn't walk. She couldn't breathe. This is going to be, like, an odyssey. I, so I Charity's odyssey. She- Odyssey to Castleton. Well, so <laughs> Tabitha's on. Tabitha heads home, takes off that nun's habit, right? Mm. Tells Timmy, "I'm on my way home. It worked." She calls him on his cell phone. <laughs> from she calls from a payphone to the cell phone. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Is this Tabitha? <laughs> what does she say?" Like, who? Else? She goes, "Of course it's me, you bumbling little beanbag." Yeah. Who else would it be? Yeah. Who else would be calling who else you, has a the, doll? Who else has the doll's cell phone number? <laughs> yeah. So she heads home and tells Timmy it's worked. It's time against to, all odds. It's time to kill Charity. And he goes, well, what's the plan, Tabitha? And she says, the plan at the moment is to run her down in the road. <laughs> <laughs> she says, Charity wants to join her mother and I'm going to help her do just that. So she drives down the highway until she sees Charity and she's like, bingo, got her. And that's where we kind of leave yeah, them. She's going to run her down in the she, road. She's going to run over Charity. <laughs> she's going to run that bitch down. She says to Timmy, hold on, Timmy. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Oh, God. Oh, my God. What if, what if Charity does get run over, but she has a rat moment? I was about to say, <laughs> I was about to say, what if Charity gets hit, but she's like that rat I saw. So, y'all, I saw the craziest thing. So, I have started back working, going to work. And I walk about a mile to work from the train station. And I was walking to school, and a giant rat came running out across the street. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. The rat came running out across the street from the other sidewalk, and it came up onto the sidewalk that I was on. And then a man who was up ahead of me kind of cornered the rat and tried to make it go away. Well, the rat ran back out into the street and got hit 
by a fucking car. Both wheels, the front wheel ran over the rat and then the second wheel ran over the rat. The rat flew in the air a solid three feet. Like it <laughs> flew up in the air a little bit from the back wheel flipping it up. It landed on its fucking feet and ran off. <laughs> it kept running. It got hit by a goddamn car. An SUV at that. <laughs> I didn't know it was an SUV. Yeah. It got hit by like a Ford Explorer. <laughs> rat v. F- Ford Explorer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Victory to rat. So maybe, maybe Charity is as resilient as that fucking rat was. <laughs> Y'all, I, I also have been having these weird thoughts about like how humans have done such damage to the earth that like what if all of the animals of all of the, like every other animal in the animal kingdom just gets together like UN style and they're like, look, we got to do something about the humans and they just fucking turn on us. Can you imagine? It wouldn't go well. Oh my God. There's a lot more of them than there are of us. Way more of them than there are of us. Yeah. And we can't do anything to them without fucking killing ourselves. Yeah. We, uh, uh, if some interspecies treaties are signed, we're fucked. <laughs> so screwed. The animal UN. Yeah. I thought I thought a whole like horror movie script up about it because I was like that would be so scary like Zootopia but not fun. Mm-mm. What's the opposite of a utopia? What we live in now? Dystopia? <laughs> yeah, an authoritarian dictator taking over the United States. Yeah, <laughs> oh, no. exactly what's happening. Oh God, I'm gonna cry. Oh, don't cry. Okay, you can't cry twice in one episode. <laughs> You're only allowed to cry one time when we record. Those cry. are the rules. I can cry as much as I want because the United States is still a free country for the next thirty days, at least. <laughs> at least we got a solid thirty days left oh, of free speech. Oh God. All right, so let's move on. Yes. So that's all the Tabitha stuff. That's all the Tabitha stuff. And she's gonna run over Charity with her car. And she's gonna run her down in the road. Yeah. Yep, and make her disappear without a trace, oh basically. Should we do some Harmony Opera House? Yes, please. Right quick? Yes, please. So it turns out the Russian ballet did come to Harmony. The Kirov Ballet. <laughs> they they came to Harmony. Yeah. Harmony has an opera house. Yeah. Maybe it's like Germany where there's like a little opera house on every corner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about because it's just Harmony. Yeah. They Harmony, got a, Germany. They they have an opera house on every corner they of sure Harmony. Do. Yes. Okay. They have one. It's called the Opera, the Harmony it Opera is. It's House. It's called the Harmony Opera House. I can't believe we haven't been invited to sing there. You know, I don't want to go to this town. Maybe it'll be our next recital. I want no parts of that town. <laughs> I, you know, they they don't deserve us. Oh, those are some heavy words. They don't. These people. They do. They enjoy drama. They do love drama. They enjoy drama and the arts. I think that actually that's exactly where we should be. You know be. what? We should live in harmony. I don't know if I want to live there, but. Yeah, no, I don't want to live in harmony. It's too small. Yeah, and there's a witch that lives there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most enticing part for me. I don't want to live. There's a witch in the gates of hell. I don't want to live in harmony. I forgot the gateway to hell was in her basement. I forgot about that. <laughs> anyway, so. Over at the ballet, Teresa and Ethan have arrived and are in their box seats. Of course, they're in a box seat. They're they're in their nice little box seats, and Teresa's overjoyed at the ballet. She's so excited. She's like, oh my goodness, I've never been to something like this before. I think you said this, but it is exactly Pretty Woman. It is exactly Pretty Woman, except instead of going 
to an actual opera. They saw Traviata in that. Yeah. They're watching Cinderella. Which but, Travi- but, but Traviata, Traviata was, was Pretty Woman's exactly. like, plot. It was and the Cinderella story. is the plot of like what's going on with Teresa. So exactly. they do like the exact Pretty Woman thing. Yeah. Exactly. The whole thing. The whole thing. Ethan gives her the opera glasses and she's looking around. He goes, don't look at the stage. Look at the people across from us in a box. And then he and Teresa just start gossiping about all the other people at this fundraising ballet event and yeah and she's so excited to be there and he says to her he's like i think i'm gonna enjoy the ballet more than usual today and she's like why and he's like well because it's nice to see it through someone else's eyes who who has never been exposed to things like this i don't know it was a little condescending yeah but the thing though is that ethan says condescending things but i i honestly think it's a complete accident because Ethan is not clever enough to intentionally be condescending. Yeah. No, you're right. It's accidental. He is accidentally rude to her. He is condescending. But I don't think he meant for it to be. At, He's no, too simple. No, he definitely didn't. doesn't mean it to be. And I don't think that's his character. I don't think yeah. he wants to be condescending to people. I think he just has grown up in such a way that he is condescending. Mm-hmm. Right? He's just been the little prince mm-hmm. his whole life. Le petit prince. Yeah. So... He gives her the opera glasses. They gossip about the people and everything. And then Teresa has her worst fantasy yet. I didn't think it could get worse than Gone with the Wind. No, Gone with the Wind was the pinnacle of her fantasy. Are you (laughs) kidding me? That one was so great. This one sucked. Oh, boy, Teresa. Well, and the only reason it sucked. Okay, so let's, let's lay out this fantasy. Teresa's watching the ballet through the opera glasses or whatever. And she then fantasizes that she is Cinderella, of course, naturally, Mm. in this ballet. And the entire time I'm just like, dance, please dance. Please dance. Please dance. But she's like scrubbing the floor. And then she looks back and she sees Ethan, the prince, in the window. And he's looking through the window longingly at her. And then someone comes and kind of grabs him and says no yeah. to him. And I couldn't tell if it was Ivy or Gwen. It I, was definitely a blonde and a big boxy Yeah, it was hat. someone. And so they kind of whisk him away. And uh, so then she's back to scrubbing the floor. And then Whitney comes in and as Whitney, the fairy godmother. And Whitney does kind of dance her way in. <laughs> yeah, like she, she, she like tiptoes in a little Yeah, bit. she kind of is on point ish well, well and then she hands Teresa a giant prop scroll and Teresa reads it and out loud says oh the prince is giving a ball and I'm gonna go to the ball and I'm gonna tell him I love him like the whole point of a ballet is that you don't say anything yes yeah, like, you... and they and they were maintaining that for a while up until that point yeah so <laughs> it's like Ter- like Teresa why aren't you dancing yeah like everything else has been mimed and, and danced enough. Whitney came in and it gave me hope. I was like, there might be a dance sequence. I, I really we might get a little culture. They would do a little bit of dancing. So anyway, <laughs> she says all that. Then she grabs Whitney, the fairy godmother's hands, and they just twirl around with each other. It was a terrible They fantasy. couldn't do any better. It was, I hated that. I mean, after that fucking tango, I really expected a better some better choreography well and especially because the camera was above the girls while they were spinning they could have hired dancers put them in wigs and filmed it from above or enough of a distance that you couldn't see their faces they could have like given them like 
a few steps to do. They could have at least grapevined. Yeah. They could have done a grapevine across the stage. They could have at least a, done... A, a, a box step? They could something? Have, they could have at least done the shit that I do when I'm pretending to be a ballet <laughs> dancer. You know what I mean? Whenever I do... Whenever I am dancing to that sequence in Cinderella, the, the waltz. Because, you know, I love Ten that. minutes Yeah, I love that Cinderella here. waltz. Yeah. The... Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. It's my favorite thing. Every time I watch it, I always have to dance it. They could have done that much. Yeah. 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 They could have had them freestyle. What do you think ballet looks at looks like? Go. <laughs> and like, it could have been like go. 10 seconds. It could. It, it, oh. I'm going to let it go. You, but there was no dancing, and I was really hoping they would dance. I, would really, I was really hoping they would dance. I just, I hope you dance. <laughs> I've, oh, God. I really I don't know the words. me either. That's why I stopped it. I yeah. hope you dance. <laughs> yeah. It just felt like it, a question that needed an answer. But I, I eh. yeah. yeah, no, they didn't dance at the ballet. They didn't. It of course made me they wouldn't. It so sad. Anyway, then Teresa comes out of her fantasy and decides to confess her feelings to Ethan. This gave me flashbacks to when he was in the shower and she was confessing her love to him. Yeah. And he didn't hear a word. Yeah. Because the camera panned to her and she goes through this whole big long speech and we never get to see him, but surely he has nodded off. We never get to see him and she's not looking at him. Yeah, she's looking looking off into the distance. So she basically makes that same speech about how much she loves him. And that she was lying before when she said her dream was to come to the ballet. Because he asked her earlier on about, like, oh, what's your dream, Teresa? And she's like, oh, I just always dreamed to go to the ballet. You know, she kind of played it off. And so then she's like, I lied before. My dream is to be with you. Do you think you could ever feel the same way about me? And ever love me? And then she goes to look at him. And we don't get to see. Cut to black. He's to black. he's asleep. He's asleep. He fell asleep yeah. at the movie. Yeah. He, I fell, think he asleep fell asleep here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he fell asleep. He, still, he definitely did not hear her no. say all of that. He's still tired from when he and Sheridan broke into the Harmony Herald, Herald in the middle of the night. Yeah. Still hasn't caught up on oh, his sleep. Oh, right. And isn't his ankle supposed to be all fucked up? I guess enough time has passed. Have that we he's, let that go? Enough time has passed. It's been months. But that was like, no. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. we've let it go. We've let it go. Let Maybe it he's go. in an ace bandage. He's in a walking cast okay. situation. All right. Because he was like limping when he went to get Teresa and the egg thing happened. That yep. was the that was the same day. Yep. I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's everything at the opera house. Should we go to the Russell yeah yeah okay so the girls have fucked up they are trying their damnedest to give everybody food poisoning it's just pasta and sauce it couldn't and sauce be easier that, like, was already made yeah they didn't have to like even open a can no and simone pulls a, a thing of uh, like a tupperware dish of pasta out of the freezer she pulled it out of the freezer side puts it in the microwave doesn't open it doesn't air it out doesn't yeah. Just puts the whole thing in the microwave and then like sets it and forgets it. Yep. Set it and forget it. And they right? go to look at the noodles and it's like a gelatinous mass. And, and they made three boxes of pasta. <laughs> so it's Kay. a mound of pasta. And Kay is like, we can fix this. We'll just cut it up and call it pasta cake. It'll taste the same, she says. They are trying to poison these boys. 
and themselves. Mm-mm. Poisoning. They got a carbo load for their big sex sexcapade. The sexy night. Oh my god, it gives you energy. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking K. I can't decide if I, if I was young and watching this, if I would be like here for the hijinks with the kids. You know what I mean? If I was like 12 years old and I was watching this, would I be interested in what the kids are doing? Because I'm 32 and watching it and I'm not. I'm really not. Yeah. Um. I was a kid watching it and I'm going to be honest, I don't remember a lot of the like the stuff the kids do because mm. no, it's not interesting. It's not. I I do remember a lot of the larger plot points mm-hmm. with them when, once they get interesting, like yeah. they're starting to get interesting. But these little these little hijinks, like oh we're gonna ensnare these boys with chocolate and strawberries. No, n- not interested. At Number all. one turn on food. Yeah, and pasta. <laughs> Ugh, pasta cake. <laughs> so what else happened? Tomato soup cake, pasta cake. Mm-mm. All right, so um. Whitney has come into the living room uh, and found Chad alone in the living room because Miguel has gone into the kitchen to help these girls. And so she lets Chad have it. And they fight. Yeah, she's yelling. She's yelling at him. Get out of my house. What are you doing here? He's like, are you a boarder here? What do you mean? You? How do you live here? Like, I, Simone invited me. She's like, Simone is my sister and my family lives in this house and you need to leave. Now. And then Simone hears the yelling. Everybody hears yeah, the yelling. The yelling and screaming. And comes. she comes out to get Whitney to stop yelling at Chad. And then... They argue. She she and Simone and Whitney go into the kitchen and then they argue in the kitchen loudly. Yeah. About, about Chad. And this whole night is just starting to go to shit because <laughs> Whitney, Whitney comes in, starts to yell at Chad. Miguel comes into the kitchen right when Kay's like saying something sort of incriminating. But Miguel's so dumb that he's just like, what, Kay? Ooh. Yeah. And then... They're all in there, and then they hear Whitney yelling at Chad. So then they all come out. Then Whitney and Simone go into the kitchen and yell at each other. Meanwhile, Miguel, uh, Chad's, like, trying to leave. Kay's trying to get him to stay. And while she has her attention on Chad, Miguel is what Kay has been trying to keep him from the phone all night because he keeps wanting to call the hospital. So she sees him. (laughs) She sees him trying to make a phone call and she goes over to him, leaves Chad and goes over. You're not, you're not calling the hospital, are you, Miguel? You're not calling the hospital, are you? Oh, you don't need to call them because I actually called them earlier to check on Charity and she's doing great. So you don't need to pick up the phone and call because I I like did it like uh, four minutes ago. It was just, it was just a second ago. I literally just called and they said she was sleeping. I already did that. You don't have to do it. Don't worry yourself stuff about her and he's like well i'm kind of worried so the whole thing's just falling and apart. while he is talking to her chad starts to put on his brown leather jacket that yeah. he bought for five dollars to leave and so then Kay's attention again is divided yeah. he goes oh hang on chad everything's gonna be okay everything's just falling apart hilarious so in the in the kitchen whitney is yelling at simone and she says you don't know anything about this boy you don't know anything about him and simone says well i think he's nice and he's sensitive and whitney goes Oh, he's sensitive and he's nice. Is that why he punched his boss in L.A.? And Simone's like, well, I didn't know that that happened, but I'm sure he was provoked. And Whitney was like, yeah, right. He didn't tell you that, did he? Well, you know, so. joke's on her because he was. He was he totally, was totally provoked. provoked. That he guy totally pulled provoked. a gun on him. Yeah, and um, Simone says that. She says, he. I'm sure he was provoked. 
And Whitney says, it doesn't matter. A, a nice guy doesn't solve his problems with his fists. Whitney's being real judgmental. What? Why hasn't Whitney ever turned to this kind of uh, attention on Teresa? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like Simone is kind of taking the brunt of what Whitney really has been wanting to let out on her best friend. Yeah. But sometimes... You can't go there with your friends. You you can only go there with family. Yeah. And I feel like Simone just happens to be on the receiving end of yeah. something that really isn't about her. I think that's a good observation, actually. I think that's a great observation. Thank you. Good for you. Thanks. I, like, I think that's great. Like, I I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. True. Very true. Well, yeah. That's, be true. That's, uh, that's what I came up with. <laughs> I love it. That's my thesis statement. <laughs> now let's back it up with some <laughs> some facts. Nah. No. Prefer not to. Cite some sources. Absolutely not. Bibliography? Mm-mm. Nope. All Mm-mm. right. All right. So what else? Where are we? What what else happens there? Um uh basically uh Eve has now called to check on the girls and so Whitney picks up the phone and is like, "Oh, hi mom." And Eve is like, "Hey, I just wanted to see how Simone's dinner is going." I don't think Whitney believe Simone's lie that her mom knows about Chad. And so Whitney kind of softens and chooses not to out her sister, says everything's all right, I'm home, dinner will be fine. You know, the house hasn't burned down, nothing to worry about, they hang up. So Whitney takes Simone by the hand and is like, look, I don't want mom to have to get in the middle of this. Like, I want you to do the right thing. I want you to ask Chad to leave and we'll forget about the whole incident. It's not a problem. And Simone says, nope. (laughs) (laughs) And then we cut to the living room where Kay has successfully kept Miguel off the phone and is like, you know what? How about I call again and ease your mind? Even though she never really did call, but she picks up the phone and calls the hospital and uh, learns that her cousin has disappeared. She's missing. Yep. The the nurse is like, <laughs> Kay says, hi, this is Kay Bennett, Charity's cousin. I just wanted to see how she's doing. And the nurse goes, oh, thank God. Do you know where she is? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Do you know where she is? And Kay goes, excuse me? <laughs> and Miguel's just standing there, has no idea God, what's going so on. Dumb. Just waiting for... His good old buddy old pal Kay to get he, off the phone. He's so dumb. So once he once she does get off the phone, she lies to him and says everything's fine and that Charity's sleeping very soundly. And he's like, okay, well, I guess I shouldn't call again tonight. I should probably let her have her rest. She's awful. She's horrible. I mean, horrible, 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 horrible. What? You know that your family member is missing from the hospital. And you, not only don't you tell anybody... You say that everything's fine? Yeah. What? Yeah. She's awful. She's the wor- She's the most evil character on this show. Worse than Tabitha. We're far worse. Worse than Tabitha. Far worse. Yeah. Far, she's, far worse. She she's is awful. evil. She is the face of evil. She's the 300-year-old face of evil. It's Kay. <laughs> it's Kay. So they're all still at the house, and... Simone comes out. Chad's like, you sure you don't want me to leave? And Simone's like, no, you should stay. And that's where we leave it mm-hmm. with them, right? So let's quickly go to the Bennett home. Yes. And then we're going to yeah. move over to the Crane Mansion. To the Crane Cranchin. So at the Bennett home, the Bennetts and the Russells are getting ready to go to dinner. And TC takes Sam aside and says, I think this dinner is all about you. Am I right? 
in suspecting that Ivy Crane has something up her sleeve and this is all about you. And Sam says, I think you're probably right about that. I just hope that Grace doesn't get hurt. Like she's like, I don't care what Ivy Crane wants, but she better not hurt my wife basically. Mm-hmm. And then Grace comes out with her fucking tomato soup she cake. She made the cake. She made the cake. I didn't know she was really going to go through with it. I have to make this cake. I might do that today. We should make a tomato soup cake. Yeah. I honestly think it would cake. be good. I don't. It, it prob, honestly, it's it probably a cake. will be. It probably will be good. A tomato is a fruit. And it's sweet. And tomato soup is tomato sweet. Tomato soup is kind of sweet. I'm sure you're going to add like spices. I feel like it's going to be a lot like a carrot cake. Yeah, probably. Or a zucchini bread. Yeah, probably. And you put like a little glaze it on there. It just sounds weird. It's a, I mean, yeah, it tomato soup cake. It, they found like the worst sounding cake. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Like what's the ugliest sounding cake? <laughs> tomato soup cake? I mean, yeah. at least it doesn't like cream of mushroom cake. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, gross. Enjoy your cream of celery cake. Cream of onion. <laughs> no, it's just cream of anything. That's the worst <laughs> cake. Your cream of cake. <laughs> it's a whole new that would genre be, It would just be cake. pot pies. Those would just be pot pies. Those aren't even cakes, <laughs> yeah, though. It's pies. a different situation. Those are pies. Okay, so she brings out this cake. Sam looks embarrassed. <laughs> He's like, you made it. He looks so ashamed. He looks so, so ashamed. Oh, Sam. Sam. His face was hilarious. <laughs> oh, he was like, maybe we shouldn't take that. And she's like, why not? You don't think they'll like it? You don't like my tomato soup cake? And he's like, no, honey, that's not what I mean. I'm just saying, you know, the cranes aren't used to this kind of thing. And she's like, you know, I when I met Ivy... I know she has lots of money and everything, but she seems very down to earth. Oh, Grace. <laughs> I'm sure she'll enjoy it and like it. Okay, Grace. Aww. So so they go to the Crane Mansion with the tomato soup cake. Yes, they do. And a very nice cake plate. Yeah. She had a nice, like, crystal yeah. cake plate thing. It was cute. It was so clean. I could hardly, it looked like the cake was just, the cake floating. was floating. Yeah. Um. So they get to the Crane Mansion, but before they get there... Ivy has <laughs> a little perfume flashback. Yeah, she put she's putting on that perfume we were talking about before, and it turns out what? It turns out that it is jasmine scented, and it was given to her by Sam. In a flashback, we see Sam present her with this present, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I love it! This is my favorite scent." And he, she puts it on immediately, and he kisses her neck, and he says. Whenever I smell jasmine, I'll think of you. I'll never forget this. Okay, so she has put on this jasmine perfume. And then Julian walks in and says, I'm not coming to dinner. I'm going to be working in my room instead, alone. I'm not coming. You can slum it with these people, with these peons if you want to, but I ain't doing it. Mm -hmm. Right? And then Ivy kind of antagonizes Julian about it. Yeah, she kind of emasculates him and is like, I don't think this is about me. I don't think this is about the company. I think this is about you being afraid of the Russells. What's going on there? What's going on between you and TC? Yeah, you're so afraid of TC. And that kind of sticks in Julian's craw. Mm. It's like, I'm not afraid of shit. Yeah, she tells him that every time the Russells are brought up, that vein in his temple starts throbbing. And she's noticed it like back at the tennis club. Yeah. So she's been 
she, keeping she, an eye. She's been thinking about that ever since. We mm-hmm. know that. And this is a good way for Ivy to kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. It really is. She gets the Russells there so she can get under Julian's skin. And she gets the Bennets there so she can just like fondle Sam. Yeah. Which she does in this episode. She does. And I think she's talking to Pilar before Julian comes in. Right? Because she, I, I, well, maybe it's just probably. My... I mean, she probably did. Pilar, Pilar has tried probably tried again. Again and yeah. again to get this woman to see reason. But, um, I, cause I wrote down that she, that Ivy tells Pilar that, uh, I've waited too many years for this night. I'm not canceling. I don't care about Grace Bennett. Oh, yeah. That's the name of the episode. She says, I don't care about Grace Bennett. Yes, yeah, she does. Yeah. She and Pilar do, do have that conversation. I don't care about Grace Bennett. Yeah. Those, those are dangerous words because the community cares about Grace Bennett. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so the Bennetts and the Russells arrive. The gang shows up for the party. For their clue dinner. This feels a lot like clue. <laughs> does. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and they get there and like Pilar answers the door and none of their hosts are there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they're all like confused as to why they're there in what the first place. What are we doing? I received why a note. Why are we here? <laughs> why did we come here? No, not a single person is excited. No. And Except gr- Grace. But she knows that everybody else, what am I trying to say? She knows that nobody else is excited about being there. So I think that dampens her own enthusiasm. Yeah. And then she's trying to like pull them along with her to have a good time. Yeah. So even she can't have a nice time. Yeah, she's having a hard time too. Oh. Yeah. They all show up and come in and start to comment on how expensive everything is. Mm-hmm. They're all like, uh, Grace sees some fabric that she's like, this is like $600 a yard. She's an expert. She's like, I can tell because I know a little bit about antiques that these are in pristine shape and that these are like museum quality. And then she goes <laughs> on about that clock must have come from Paris. That thing must have been from London. Like she just yeah. gives the rundown about how expensive this this home is so they're all in the living room talking and then ivy makes her entrance she looks stunning she makes quite the entrance stunning and, Sa- and sam looks like he's gonna throw the fuck up mm-hmm. like he looked like he's gonna throw up all over that 600 dollars fabric upholstery <laughs> fabric like she comes in she looks gorgeous yeah and she comes in and like strikes a pose. Yeah, that's <laughs> so good. She is so good. Oh my god. Yeah. And so then Grace talks to Ivy about her perfumes. Grace says, "Oh, you that scent smells so good." And Ivy goes, "Oh, thank you. It's jasmine." And Grace tells Ivy, "Oh, Sam hates hates the the smell of jasmine. He won't let me have jasmine." Uh, scented anything he won't even let me bring the flowers in the house mm-hmm. we can't have jasmine anything in our house and ivy lo- looks away from grace at sam across the room and goes oh really it's like <laughs> is that the case and so sam like ends up being pulled into this conversation and he goes it's not something i've ever really given any thought to so he's trying to keep ivy at bay but yeah. we know that she steamrolls people. She's going to get what she wants. Yeah. And then Ju- she sees Julian. Julian comes in and he has, in his tux, mm. he has decided to join for dinner because Ivy played him. She played mm. him like a $2 fiddle. Mm-hmm. She knows how to play him. And yeah. for some reason he is, 
He's just as daft as Ethan. And the thing is, he knew that it, he knows that it is not in his best interest to be at this dinner. Mm. That's why he wasn't going to come. It didn't have anything yeah. to do with not wanting to mingle with the, the underlings. It yeah. had nothing to do with that. He knows that this is a bad idea for him. Mm-hmm. Because, well, we're about to find out some stuff about Julian. Yes, but we yeah, are. he knows that he shouldn't be at this dinner. Yeah. So, uh, I think Grace asks Ivy what's on the menu. And so she starts running down the list of foods. And Grace stops and says, wait, let me guess. And white asparagus. And I was like, how did you guess? And Grace is like, oh, my gosh, it's funny. Those are all of Sam's favorite foods. Grace. Come on, Grace. Put it together. Come on, Grace. Put it together. Come on, Grace. Those are all Sam's favorite foods. And, oh, my goodness, he might have to. He might want to come move in here with you. Bitch, what are you saying? Yeah. And then Sam kind of says, oh, I love your cooking too much, and I love my wife too much to move in here. And he kisses he kisses Grace in front of Ivy, and it kind of, you know, annoys Ivy. Yeah. But there's also a moment, this moment was fucking hilarious, where once Julian finally joins the party, and Grace is talking to Ivy, and she says, oh, I brought my tomato soup cake, which she has <laughs> sat down on one of their very expensive tables. <laughs> and the look on Ivy and Julian's faces was, I, I can't even describe it, pure disgust. It's <laughs> so funny. Those two are really serving it. Like, they're so good. So great. So, how excellent. Yeah. How excellent was are their performances. So, he, <laughs> they're looking at that cake. And, and then Grace sees, like, the disgust on their yeah. faces. And she's like, oh, did I do something wrong? Like, And I was like, oh, no, no. I'm sure it's delicious. It's just I wasn't anticipating that you would bring the dessert. So I had the chef make, you know, a, a chocolate, chocolate cake, cake, which is also, also Sam's, Sam's favorite, favorite dessert. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. And Ivy was nice. She's like, I'm sorry. I just haven't heard of tomato soup cake. And Grace is like, no, it's okay. Like, I know this is probably different than what you're used to. We don't have to eat it. And they're like, no, we'll eat the cake. Like, oh, oh Grace. She just keeps putting her foot in it. Because earlier in the night, she's, she made a little joke about Sam and be like, oh, come on, Sam. Calm down. It's not like Ivy's trying to get you. Or oh, like, did she? she I didn't had, hear that. She made like a little joke about that earlier um bless about like heart. how ivy wasn't after sam and he can like calm down or something like that it's bless like, oh, her boy. little heart bless it Ugh. so sam steps out for a little air he steps out onto the lanai if you will <laughs> if you will for a little air right and he's out there and he's just like having a moment yeah and then ivy walks up behind him and like Fondles him a little bit. She like starts She'll playing his with hair. his hair. Oh, I used to love playing with your hair. I still love it. And he like tries to get away from her, but they're on this tiny little balcony. There's not really a lot of space. Oh my god! And his the way the way that man was look looked like he was ready to risk it all. Yeah, he looked like he was ready. She was rubbing his hair, and mm-hmm. she, he looked like he was ready to throw it all out the window. Yeah, defenestrate it all. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because he loves Ivy. He loves Ivy. You can see it. It's so sad. He's I so feel so bad for Grace. Sh- he's physically. You can see he's visibly shaken by her. Yeah. He's off his game. Like he doesn't. 
he's tr- and when he's with Grace, I feel like Grace grounds him a little bit. But if he's away from Grace and Ivy's there, is I think it's very hard for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so ugh. while that's happening, oh my god, Eve oh my is god. standing by herself inside, just staring off in the space. I don't know what the fuck she was doing. Also, there's no one at this party. Yes, exactly. That's why I said there's nobody at this party. There's so like, nobody there. So like if. Ivy and Sam go outside by themselves, you will be noticed. It will be noticed that you are gone. You are noticeably gone. Especially if Eve is standing by herself, Julian is sitting by himself, and Grace and Pilar are the only people talking. Like, it will be very there's, obvious what's going and on. And where's TC, you know? And where's TC? There, the, there's six people at this party. Yeah. You, uh, you can't just leave without anybody noticing that you've left. Right. Anyway, so... Eve is standing alone in the living room, just staring off into space. Hating everything. Yeah. And then Julian very slyly walks up behind her like, oh, he walks up behind her, oozes up behind her like the slime that he is. (laughs) And, And he says, I bet you never thought we would be dining together. It's been a long time, Eve. And Eve says, you're right. I never expected this. And then a short conversation follows where Julian asks Eve, does TC know? Yeah. And she says no, and he can never know. And then TC walks up and says, I can never know what, honey. Ah! <gasps> never know what. Oh, Lord. What can he never know? Oh, Lord. They had an affair. It's happening. Julian and, and Eve were together. I can't tell you. They had to know. have been. I don't know. And TC doesn't know it. So it must have happened while she was married? Oh, shit. I don't know anything. So actually, maybe it's not that Chad is her son. Maybe it's that Whitney is not. TC's daughter? I have no clue. Are you kidding me? I couldn't possibly Something know. Something crazy is happening. I couldn't possibly know. It's not like I've seen this before. All oh. right. That's everything, right? That's it. Um, I mean, we should say that Grace does make uh, an exit. She's like, oh, let me go see where Sam wandered off to. So it looks like she's about to catch Ivy and Sam kind of the way that TC has just caught Eve yeah. and Julian. Yeah. So before we go, oh. we have the best possible listener mail for you oh my god zach our historian has come through zach is officially our historian yeah. he doesn't know it but he'll he's find a, out when he hears he's this. a member of the team now <laughs> he really is so the first part this is what zach says he says ladies i was perusing google and stumbled across this absolute gem it's a review of passions published in entertainment weekly in august of 1999 It's scathing, but hilarious. I laughed out loud multiple times, so I'm sure you'll both get a kick out of it. Just a quick note of context. Another World was the soap that was canceled to make room for Passions, and apparently people were not happy, but Passions was cheaper for NBC to produce because they owned it as opposed to Another World, which was owned by Procter & Gamble, which is crazy. Procter Procter & Gamble Gamble. owns TV shows? Yeah, what? They only made, like, baby powder and, like... You know, all the, well, they make a lot of shit. They yeah. make so much stuff. Now on to the main feature. All right? You want right. to read the first? And here's the first paragraph of the review by Ken Tucker. Ken Tucker. Passions. Updated August 6th, 1999 at 4 a.m. <laughs> all right. The astonishingly cretinous new... I can't even read the first sentence. 
The astonishingly cretinous new soap opera Passions replaces the 35-year-old Another World and is apparently intended to represent the new wave in soaps. Among its touted innovations, a cast that is young, multicultural, and beautiful enough to give Felicity a run for its hair gel budget, the graying soap genre needs to attract younger viewers. Plus, the addition of supernatural themes to the usual array of bad marriages and illicit affairs in order to draw in, well, whom exactly? Agoraphobes who post romantic Mulder Scully fan fiction on the X-Files websites? Passions is set in the New England town of Harmony, where law is maintained by police chief Sam Bennett, James Hyde, a talking hunk of granite whose <laughs> wife, Grace Dana Sparks, suffers from amnesia. She can't recall the first 20 years of her life, a trauma incurred when Sam rescued her from a fire years ago. Grace currently sees visions of a ghost. <laughs> a ghost child. Grace currently sees visions of a ghost child who speaks in ominous pronouncements. It's time, Grace. I've come for you, Grace. Sam's deputy is Luis Lopez Fitzgerald. Galen Gehring. Is it Galen or Gallen? I think it's Galen. I I've assumed so. Galen Gehring. Uh, while Luis feels a long-lived hatred for the town's rich family, the Cranes, his sister Teresa, Lindsay Corman, dreams of meeting and marrying the crane son Ethan, Travis Schultz, a talking hunk of concrete who's in love with Gwen Hotchkiss, Liza Huber, a mumbly dishrag of a girl whose presence seems patently unbelievable until you understand that the actress is the daughter of soap queen Susan Lucci. Like Tori Spelling, Huber can deploy nepotism to advance a career that seems destined for years of polite derision. Start looking for those cred-building indie film projects now, Liza. Ouch. Oh. <laughs> Harmony also seems to contain exactly one black family, the Russells, including Dad T.C., Rodney Van Johnson, who's grooming his daughter Whitney, Brooke Kerr, for a pro tennis career, and Mom Eve, Tracy Ross, and MD, who's best friends with Grace. I want to stop right now There's and no make Simone. exactly and make the point that this man, even this person, left out Simone. Oh, Simone. He left Simone out entirely. You know what? Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe her publicist was ensured that she was not in this review. <laughs> he goes, and I will further try your patience. <laughs> <laughs> and I will further try your patience by mentioning Tabitha, played by Juliette Mills, Emmy and Golden Globe winning actress and co-star of the 70s sitcom Nanny and the Professor, or as the giddy NBC press release calls it, the racier sounding Nanny in the Professor. Mills's, t Mills's Tabitha is Sam and Grace's next door neighbor, sweet and kind to their faces, but a cackling, mystical-powered meanie behind their backs. Their souls will be mine, she crows. Which brings us to Timmy. I am planning to take a short leave of absence to have surgically removed from my mind the image of Timmy, the mischievous doll created by Tabitha to wreak havoc and harmony and cause nausea in viewers. Timmy comes to life at Tabitha's command, at which point he is played by Josh Evans, whom you may remember as a charmlessly grumpy child prodigy attorney in a few Ally McBeal's last season. As Timmy, Evans is required to talk about himself in the third person. Timmy is confused, he'll say, or my favorite so far, the first thing Timmy's going to do is make himself a big martini. You mean martini, snaps Tabitha. No, a martini, he replies. It's my own special recipe. Hmm, strychnine and bleach shake and not stirred, please. <laughs> Although Passions was created by soap vet James Riley, Days of Our Lives, 
It lacks even the basic suspenseful pacing and layering of subplots that hook viewers into daily watching. The show lurches from one Harmony house to another with abrupt visits to Paris, where in the show's most exploitive storyline, Ethan's aunt Sheridan, Mackenzie Westmore, is still getting over the death of her quote, close friend, Diana. That's right, the Princess of Wales is a plot device. <laughs> Sheridan says things like, if only I could find true love the way Diana did with Dodie. Then, pursued by paparazzi, guns her car into a Paris tunnel. Mon Dieu! <laughs> Mon Dieu, mutters one of the French shutterbugs. Not again! <laughs> you, you said it, mon frere. <laughs> So far, the most interesting characters are the two who have had the least screen time. Ethan's parents, Julian and Ivy Crane, played by veteran good-looking guy Ben Masters and former As the World Turns star Kim Johnston Ulrich. Julian and Ivy are rich, unhappy with each other, and knock back martinis, uh, excuse me, martinis, as if they were vitamins. Masters and Johnston Ulrich, sounds like a soap sex research team, <laughs> have the best acting chops here. They know how to wring the melodrama out of a wet line. But you get the feeling that because they're middle-aged and white, they'll be kept in the background of this determinedly hip, multi-culty show. Then again, who knows? Julian and Ivy may soon take center stage. Prince Charles's cousin, Princess Elizabeth of Yugoslavia, has lodged a complaint about the Diana references. And the only other storyline that's barely working is Grace's amnesia scenario if only because of its use of the old, reliable twin sister she didn't know she had plot, and because Sparks is a sparky actress up to handling a dual role. That aside, Passions gets a grade to match its wilted, purple, orchid mustiness. F plus. F plus. F plus. Plus? Look, <laughs> this, is a, this is a scathing scathing. review. Scathing. Ridiculous. It's not that bad. And it, the show's not that no, bad. No, it's obvious that this person, what Ken, what's his name? Ken Tucker. It seems like he watched the first like four episodes and then stopped watching it. Because to, well, this is in August, so it started in July. So he could have only watched maybe a handful, you know, a handful of episodes. Yeah, because in I hear what he's saying, but I think if he had stuck with it, he would find that a lot of what he's saying is not correct, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, but it was I cracked up. I was I read this. I was at work, and um, <laughs> I had put on a little video for some of my kids, and saw that we had an email. So I looked at it and I started reading it, and I was like, "This is the most hilarious." I was cracking up. Oh, me too. I was crack. I was oh god, it's so funny. So thank you, Zach. Thank you, Zach. Keep sending us stuff. This is. It was, I now, I like knowing that uh, Tabitha, the actress, uh, what's her name? Juliet Mills. That she, Juliet Mills, is a Golden Globe winning actress. Like, of course she is. She's so great. She's so excellent. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I it, the review is wonderful. Also, it explains why they dropped the, um, what am I trying to say? The storyline with Diana. It explains oh, why they yeah. dropped the storyline with Thank Diana. Thank God. I think that saved the show. Yeah. Because that was one of the biggest things that I was like, this is so dumb. It's dumb and it's also it's nasty. It's yeah, not it a good thing to do. It doesn't yeah. look good. It, no. it doesn't sit well. Like, no. It's, it, yeah. Exploitive. I was about to say it's exploitive, just like yeah. you said. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's it for this episode, yes? Y'all. Yes. All right. So we've been talking for forever. Let's stop talking. Th- thanks for hanging with us. And remember, you can always get in touch with us on our social media, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, at Passions Podcast, or you can send us, or you can send us an email, passionspodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Oh, check out the pat. Check out the website. We have a website. Passion, passionspodcast.com. There's a Passionistas forum. We have merch. Yeah. Check, pick up a t-shirt. What else do we have? We have all of the podcast t- episodes there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. check it out. Yeah, please. And please. Please, dear God, look at the website. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, leave us a review, rate, review, subscribe. Thank you very much. And goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, wait, we have to sing the song. You are... You, what did she used to say? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I'm you are the out. weakest link. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. You are my passion for life. <laughs>